not ready to go out and play week one. We've got a lot of work to do between now and then to get this team ready. I have no doubt that Coach Zimmer and his leadership of this football team, especially with all the new personnel, will have us ready to go. I'm going to do some things to help them create confidence. And that's my job as a runner, you know, to give my offensive line as much confidence as I can. Hey, Vikings fans, welcome to episode number 104 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. And we are in the swing of things. It's Vikings training camp at the TCO Performance Center. And we have everything that you need to know from the first few days here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Producer Jay Nelson has cut up every single important bite from the press conferences so far from your favorite Vikings, your favorite general manager, Rick Spielman, and of course your favorite head coach, Mike Zimmer. So with that, I bring in the crew. We have Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson, Tatum Everett, and of course, Jay Nelson. Who should I start out with today? I guess I'll start out with Tatum today. How are you doing? Chris, good to hear from you. I mean, it's just amazing that you just said we have the best bites from training camp and we'll be able to hear from multiple players because as much as I love our one-on-one interviews in the podcast, it's great to have a multitude of opinions and comments and kind of hear what the players went through this offseason and what their expectations are for training camp. So for me, it's just been nice to see the friendly faces around TCOPC and to see some practice. I never thought I'd be excited to see some practice. <laughs> That's exactly what Gabe Henderson told me today off camera when we were chatting yeah. about what he's been so excited about. Finally, a year plus into his Vikings career, seeing some fans on a football field. I mean, what has that been like for you, Gabe? Dude, it's been amazing just to be able to fill Vikings, well, just purple energy. Um, It's been a year hiatus for me. As soon as I got here, I was telling PA earlier, like the first game of the year, Green Bay Packers week week one last year, I walk into U.S. Bank Stadium. I'm just like, is this supposed to be like this? Like, is today game day? And he was like, dude, this is terrible. This is the worst experience that you'll ever have, and you'll never forget this moment. And just that compared to today – um, completely night and day. And of course, it was only what 500 fans, but that's 500 more fans than I've experienced since, since I've been an employer of the Minnesota Vikings. But I'm excited, man. Seeing the guys run around, seeing the skull chant today, seeing um, just the energy and the, the liveliness of everything that surrounds training camp and all the work that was put into making these days possible. Um, I couldn't be more excited. You know, I have to interject, Gabe. Uh, the skull chant was fantastic. There was one yesterday as well. And I'll have to say I'm a little bit guilty because I definitely asked for the skull chant today. (laughs) If any of the fans were out there today, I was talking to him, getting to know him and trying to, um, you know, get get their views on being back at camp. And so many of them are just so excited to be able to be back in that atmosphere. I mean, there was a guy that drove from South Dakota. There are people that are driving from north and south of, of here in Egan. And so it's just awesome to see the dedication from Skull Nation to be here. But I, I wanted a video clip of that Skull Chance. So that's why it looked so good. Everyone, you know, I write lesbian on camera. So you just put a camera on them and they were ready to go. I love it. The fans are certainly ready to go. I think Kirk Cousins said it best. These fans are taking some time out of their vacations to come watch us play on a 95-degree day in Egan, Minnesota. So that just about says it all. I think we're going to get to some sound from producer Jay Nelson. He's cut up all the best sound from the first few days at the TCO Performance Center. But first, I'm going to go to Tatum. What's your number one takeaway so far 
just your number one takeaway out on the field, seeing practice. What's your number one takeaway just watching practice for the first time at the TCO Performance Center as a Vikings employee? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts when you say that, but I will say this. Michael Pierce is a big dude. <laughs> I guess I just didn't realize, you know, the the type of the type of players that the Vikings this offseason have gone and signed or put on their line, they are as Eric Kendrick said, some meaty dudes. And they are just big run stuffers and I am so excited. Honestly, you know, skill positions are super fun to watch at practice, but my eyes this whole time have been on that defensive line group. I'm just so excited to see them out there and to see Dalvin Tomlinson, Michael Pierce, Daniil Hunter, obviously it's great to see 9-9 out there. So that that to me has been the most exciting part because, you know, you know, in, in another life, I feel like maybe I would have wanted to be a defensive lineman. I feel like I would want to be that kind of gritty dude who just like set the tone. Um, really? I would not want to be the one getting hit. I would like to provide the hits. So for me, that's like my <laughs> favorite position group to watch right now. You don't want to protect the quarterback, Tatum? It's not in your. <laughs> not really. Not no. No. I'm, I, I mean, no. I want to go after someone. If I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. like Off, that. Offensive oh, linemen oh. don't score a touchdown, so I, I'm, I'm with you on that. But I, I disagree with you of wanting to get hit. Go ahead, Jay. I will disagree with you. Offensive linemen can score touchdowns, and it's the most exciting play in the I, NFL. And I will at this agree point. with Jay because everyone loves a big guy touchdown. Come on, fat guy touchdowns. Look it up. Brian O'Neill at the University of Pittsburgh as a tight end. Yeah, it's happened. That is correct. It's happened. But I would not want to be an offensive guard. Let's put it that way. Those <laughs> no. guys do not score touchdowns. Well, Gabe, I think you know Tatum brings up the defensive line, and I know you had a conversation with one of the guys who has not been here in a long time and that's number 99 Tatum was talking about Daniel Hunter a little bit so tell us about your conversation with Daniel I believe it was like a pretty lengthy conversation which doesn't normally happen when number 99 is talking to the media we're starting this new series called Viking Circle well I'm driving a player around after practice asking them you know a balance of ball and then balance of life and JJ Justin Jefferson was the first guest I think that comes out today as we're speaking and Daniil Hunter is the second guest. And for Sam Newton to, to you know, block him off for him to be able to talk to me, it, it, I made sure I made the most of his time. So cars was definitely um, the top of conversation. But how Daniil was explaining his love for cars, it made me want to ask him about how does that relate to his style of play. And then that started an entire, entirely different conversation of how cars and how he would build a car and how the perfect car would amount to the way he plays the game today and some of his goals and why he relates his style of play to a car. And I asked him about the engine, right? You need a car to, you need that engine to get you going. And I asked him what his engine was. And he talked about his why, his motivation, what's his engine that gets his motor going each Sunday. And um, I'm excited for it for, for you guys to, to listen to it and, and just take a deep dive into who Daniil Hunter, the person is outside of Daniil Hunter, the, the biggest human being you've ever seen in your life. Um, he he is by far the biggest football player I've seen in my life. This this up close in person. I remember I shook his hand earlier. He almost like ripped my hand off. And I had the opportunity to work with Adrian Peterson. And, and you, everybody knows Adrian Peterson shakes your hand harder than anybody else. Daniel Hunter is a close second. Um, but he that conversation was exciting. Back to our to our main point. That conversation was very very insightful, and I'm excited to share it with you guys. 
Is it a coincidence, Gabe, that you picked two LSU guys? Can we just make sure that Viking Circle episode number three does the trifecta with Patrick Peterson? As uh, I'm w- asking for a friend, no, not no, for no, myself. No, no, I, I, I'm, I'm actually going to get you on it. <laughs> no, got, that's the, no need. They, let's let's the hear from the guys way more. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I was going to say on the handshake front, it's a couple of Texas boys. You know what's going yeah. on there. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, Adrian Peterson, you're right. It is the infamous thing, and he definitely has – the death grip when you shake it the oh. first time. And I remember the second time I shook his hand, he gave me the death grip and I gave it back to him. And he kind of looked at me sideways a little bit. I'm like, yeah, all right. Jay, you want to do it? We can Jay do it. It's all good. With the, with Coming in hot, huh? You want to get some respect. You got to give it back once in a while. I, I understand that. But of course, so I, I, my one big thing that I've seen at training camp is, well, my biggest takeaway, put it this way, is Wyatt Davis. Um, I'm not here to talk who should start, who should not, but he gets it. One-on-ones, for instance. Like Dalvin Tomlinson, we know that his job is not to get pressure on the quarterback. However, his job is to get pressure and to push the offensive lineman back. Wyatt Davis held his own against a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson yesterday in one-on-ones. And just seeing how that translated into team, I'm like, okay, this this guy is good. Like this this guy gets it. And we'll see how that how that plays out. We know there's a entirely mental hurdle that you have to uh get over as a rookie to be able to 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 take over that starting offensive line position or any position in the NFL. But as far as physicalities, intangibles, quickness, strength, Wyatt Davis is ever is as advertised. Let me put it that way. Well, that's good to hear. There's battles going on on the offensive and defensive line. You hear Brian O'Neill take the podium and talk about having to go up against 99 in oh. practice every day. I can't. You have something to add, Gabe? Yeah, there was a one-on-one um, yesterday between Brian O'Neill and Daniil Hunter, and that is. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I really wouldn't. It doesn't matter if you're a Pro Bowl left tackle, right tackle, wherever you are. You've seen some of the best over there in Washington. If yeah. you have to go up against Daniil Hunter in 95-degree heat, I don't wish that on anybody. But Brian O'Neill had him, right? Like, Brian O'Neill, perfect hand placement, perfect punch, perfect quickness. Daniil Hunter just had a second move that I don't think anyone in the NFL can stop. And I saw Phil Rauscher look at Brian O'Neill which is, and just basically said, hey, like, th- that's not going to happen every Sunday. Like, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, fine. Right. Like, you're fine. So that, that was exciting to see. I'm excited to see what it looks like when Pats come on. And that's what Brian O'Neill's been talking about this offseason, why he he missed having Daniil around so much, is precisely that, saying yeah. every day in practice is going to be the most strenuous thing I'm going to have to deal with for the season. So come game day, it's going to feel like, you know, it's going to easy mode when you're you're done working against a guy like that every single day in practice. Well, we talk about Brian O'Neill at the podium. Let's get to our podium clips. Who do we have first, Jay Nelson? Uh, we're going to start off here with the general manager, Rick Spielman, uh, getting in front of the media. It was kind of interesting just seeing Rick and and Coach on the first day. Coach was in great spirits, and we'll get to him later. But Rick was kind of asked when it comes to their offseason plan and trying to accomplish every goal that they had, do they feel like they had done that in free agency and picking up in the draft? Joe, I guess that depends on the wins and losses. Uh, but I know we had a lot of holes to fill. Uh, I know when we started this process back at the end of our season, sitting with Coach Zimmer, the coaching staff, uh, our personnel department, identifying how we have to get better, um, and then being able to have a game plan in place on how we're going to attack those needs. And I think on paper, we were able to go out and accomplish a lot uh, to get a lot of new faces in here, uh, to get some players that are going to have 
make significant contributions to this football team. And, uh, you know, but the process starts today as they report. And then we're out here on the on the field tomorrow. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. And Coach Zimmer will know this as well. And he's already talked to the team about we're not ready to go out and play week one. We've got a lot of work to do between now and then to get this team ready to prepare. And I have no doubt that Coach Zimmer and his leadership of this football team, and especially with all the new personnel, will have us ready to go. Well, you hear that take all the time. It's like training camp starts, everybody's happy, everybody thinks we have a chance to win the, the, the Super Bowl. And, and you hear that in every single training camp if you go and listen to press conferences around the league. But in this case, how could you not argue with what Rick Spielman just said? I mean, think about the players that this front office added to the roster from veterans like Patrick Peterson to Brashad Breland, who seems to be making some splash plays so far um, at Vikings training camp. Then you go to the defensive line. You look at Dalvin Tomlinson. You look at adding a Michael Pierce, who was supposed to play the year before, but now he's making his uh, pretty much his introduction to the Vikings defensive line. And you add all the players that were injured last year, which I can go down the list. We've already talked about Daniel Hunter being back, but it's just amazing for uh, D.D. Westbrook to be added a few days before training camp, and it's like it's not even that big of a story with all the players that we've added throughout the offseason. So um, with that, I don't know, guys. Tatum, I, I feel like it was a common theme throughout all the press conferences so far of everyone just praising the work that the Vikings front office did throughout this offseason. I mean, you got to. They had glaring holes, and they went out, and they picked up big pieces in free agency, picked up pieces in the draft, and Rick Spielman is kind of sitting back going, you know, with his hands kind of saying, "This now, now my work is done. It's what Zimmer and the rest of the coaching staff can do. This is a crucial year for them. They want to make a big step. They want to win the division. They want to go to the Super Bowl, and – all the GM can do is sit there and put the pieces in place now during training camp. It's just time to build the chemistry, um, study the playbook, make sure everything works like a well-oiled machine and go out there and win games. And that's all you can do. That's what everyone's in this business for. So, um, yeah, I mean, on paper, I love the moves. Um, I think they were critical. I think they were important. And I'm excited to see how this team comes together over the next few uh, weeks. Gabe, any of these additions out on the field that you've seen really, you know, show their impact pretty early? I know it's early to say uh, breakout player or whatever, but just players who are out there, you know, impressing you out on the field, new additions to, to the Vikings roster. New addition, I got to say P2. P2, just his veteran leadership. Uh, I think there are so many things that he does um, by his actions that translates well to the inside, entire cornerback room. When he talks, everyone listens. When he when he moves, everyone's watching. And he he's, I mean, he leads by example. I mean, you can talk to anybody on this this Vikings uh, front office staff, whether that's the coaching staff or, or training staff. I mean, this guy understands the game. So when he's actually going out there, um, you know, being the first person at practice. You know, stretching a little bit longer, still doing his uh, his warm ups the way he he did in, in year one in Arizona. People are watching that, and I think that is starting to um, vibrate throughout the locker room. I mean, you saw Cameron Dantzler today. Just hey, like, what do I do with my hips here? All right, like, where am I? Where's my hand placement supposed to be here? You're, you're getting future Hall of Fame type coaching from a guy who's still getting coaching from his head coach. 
I, I love what I see from P2. I think this is going to be a big year for him. He'll, he'll thrive in, the offense, in a defense that Mike Zimmer loves to run here in Minnesota. The coaching that P2 is getting from Zimmer is above maybe the levels of Dantzler and Boyd and those guys out there who only have a year or two of experience. The kind of coaching that they're they're getting that type of coaching just by listening to what Zimmer is telling P2. And both Zimmer and P2 talked about that today because that kind of knowledge wasn't there last season with no veterans in that room. And so now if you hear Patrick talk about it, it's just so interesting that like these guys are looking at him saying, I've never heard this before. I've never learned this before, but you just taught me something new while I'm sitting in the room with you watching film. And so I'm with you. Like this is going to be pivotal because I mean, I don't know about you, but even you can make that comparison across the workforce. If somebody that you respect who has done the job before you comes through and gives you advice on how to succeed at that level, you 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 take that advice, you become better, and it it just translate throughout the throughout the whole room. I think it shows it it teaches these younger these younger guys to still be coachable. Also, no matter how much money you make, no matter how long you play, they're still a coach, and he still has wisdom, and you still need it. And P two is a prime example of that. Yeah, I know I'll probably be a Hall of Famer. I'll probably be another Pro Bowler this year if everything adds up. But I still got to take this coaching. And Cameron Dantzler is so good for a guy like him. Jay, I think it's time for a little P2 soundbite. Showing these young guys how to study, how to understand their opponent, um, and how to come to work every day. You know, how important it is to to make sure you put not only good film on the uh, on, on tape on the football field, but understanding how to study as well. You know, because a lot of guys can get in the game and, you know, they can be a deer in headlights. But if you understand what's coming at you, the game will slow down for you. So um, just like today, I was talking to Chris Boyd having him understand the different releases that receivers can give you. And uh, he was like, wow, I never looked at it that way. You know, so I feel, you know, giving these young guys those type of nuggets will definitely uh, slow their game down a lot to help them improve. I love how he provides an example of, you know, the teaching on the field that Tatum and Gabe are, are talking about because you can tell he's a leader out on the field. He's an extension of Coach Zimmer. You heard that from Coach Zimmer in his press conference as well. I think they just come to a pretty, like, great understanding of what this defense should look like, what some of these young defensive backs should should learn and, and um, develop in. And I just feel like it's the perfect kind of, you know, Terrence Newman before you guys were here. Yeah, I was, he was, one I was of my, just about to say that. He was, was one of my favorite players on and off the field, a great guy. You know, I ran into him once in a while in Uptown, Minneapolis, just one of the best guys out there. He can hang with – you know, you could be from wherever you are in this country, and he is one of the best people in the world. And everyone respected him from the young defensive backs to the big defensive linemen to the quarterback of the team. When he spoke, everybody on all sides of the ball listened. And I think Patrick Peterson has that same kind of impact on this roster, Jay. Yeah, it reminds me when Favre walked in the door, there's an instant level of respect given what they've done and what their their past history has been. For Patrick Peterson, the next step is going to be not only showing it that way in the classroom, but then getting out on the field and producing in games. And it'll just make them listen that much more because when a guy like that comes in, especially like on a defense, I always think of a guy like Charles Woodson, when whether he was with the Raiders or the Packers or whatever, a guy like Woodson, when he's on the field, he's like a field general who really pays attention and also produces and when you have a guy like him and Harrison Smith able to kind of lock down the back end of a defense then that lets the middle and the front end do their job 
even easier because he's given them time. So if a guy like Patrick can not only do what's right in the classroom, but then do what's right on the field as well and be able to, to show up and make those kind of plays, it's just going to make everyone listen even harder to what he's doing and pay attention. And it's only going to accelerate what their future can be as long as they pay attention to what he does. Well, we talked about the coach on the field. Jay, let's hear from the coach off the field, head coach Mike Zimmer. You know, Rick is a football coach, and he's got 40 years of experience doing what he's doing. Um, and so I, I felt like it was important that we um, use him as a resource, but we also give him the opportunity to continue to work. Um, you know, with the with the way the protocols are that you can't be around um, the players in person. And so but but he has so much knowledge and so much um, experience that I, I felt like he could be a, a big help with with um, Rick and Clint, um, you know, and myself so that, you know, we can we can go from there. So basically what he's going to be doing is, uh, you know, he's going to watch the practice with the offensive coaches. He's going to be um, helping to evaluate, you know, little things like I've, I've got Paul Gunther up there with me now, you know, and we'll sit in, he'll sit in the meetings and we'll talk about, um, you know, have you thought about doing it this way? Or, you know, is he taking the right step on this particular run? Or, you know, is he shooting his left hand is what, the way he's supposed to do it? So all those things are things that I think he can really help us with. And then and then the next part, you know, with that part with training camp and as we prepare for games, uh, as we start getting ready for the, for the games in the season, he'll be helping with game plan ideas, uh, third down ideas, protection ideas, and things like that. Um, you know, and Phil will be, Phil's the one going to, you know, I, I also felt like it was important that there's one voice in that, in that meeting room. So he's going to be in charge of the meeting room. Um, I've got the utmost confidence in, in Phil. He's had very, very many opportunities to leave here and we've talked him out of it. Um, you know, because I figured that someday he would, he might, you know, re Rick might decide to retire or whatever, and, and Phil would be ready to go into this thing. So, but he's had a lot of opportunities to leave, and uh, it was important that way. So, I felt this was the best win-win situation for for uh, for our our football team, and also with Rick. And uh, I was, you know, luckily, um, Peter Schaefer and Rick did a good job of hammering out the the ideas, and the coaches came up with, you know, what his specific duties will be. Well, how about adapting for the Vikings front office staff? I mean, you know, with everything going on in the world, and you can go wherever you want with that, you know, the Vikings front office, the Vikings coaching staff, they adapted. They made the best of the situation. They added they, – they kept a Rick Dennison, who's one of the best offensive line coordinators in all of the NFL. They kept his voice in this Vikings offensive room. And then they promote a guy like Phil Rauscher, who is the assistant offensive line coach. He's been here for years. You heard Coach Zimmer say he's had multiple chances to leave the organization and hasn't stuck by, you know, one of the best minds in the game at that position. And then you, you add a coach in assistant offensive line coach, Ben Steele, um, as well. So so you heard Clint Kubiak say it. Uh, I, I believe he said it on Thursday that, you know what? We added another coach to the staff. We still have Rico's voice is what the coaches call him um, in the room, whether it's virtually or in the room, whatever it is. Um, I just like the way that this Vikings staff adapted. And how about Coach Zimmer being so transparent with the media? I feel like, I don't know, guys. I think he was like very, I think he's happy and excited about this Vikings roster because you don't normally hear that whole 
explanation from Coach Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, he was a little loose in his first press conference, had a little fun with everyone. And then today, being asked about how he treats the players at camp, he even admitted to being a little soft, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, I will tell you that probably won't happen uh, week whatever that we have a tough loss to, you know, you look at the schedule, there's a lot of tough games. But Hey, we'll enjoy uh, it while, while it's there, right? I, you have to. A, a happy Coach Zimmer is one of the best things in the world. And, and I think Jay knows that just as good as anybody. And I'm sure everybody on this on this episode will learn that as well. <laughs> yeah, I saw that there was even a tweet that went out today talking about how he was talking about his daughter, asked him how his day went, and he said he was pretty happy about it. And she's like, wait, who, who is this guy You know that we're, I'm talking to at that <laughs> point? So it's just like, hey, man, whatever it takes. I, I, I honestly feel that one of the things that's happening here, even just over the last couple of days, let alone the last week, people are starting to realize how much they appreciate having everybody back. And I think that yeah. is that is a boost in morale to everybody. Now, that's only going to last as long as the first scrimmage or preseason game or something and, and things don't go well. And then it turns into, all right, we got to batten down the hatches. But Hey, as long as you can take it and and ride this thing out, I think uh, enjoy it while you can, guys, because it's it's and and who knows, maybe this season it's going to be completely different on all fronts. And uh, you know, if if this team starts winning games, that's all we can ask for. Coach Zim has my quote of uh, training camp so far, though. On the first day, he was really excited to see fans. He's like, "I'm really hoping they're hydrating." with whatever they want to hydrate with. And I was like, okay, <laughs> Zim's got some jokes. Let's go. And I'm sure he's just a little happy right now because he became a grandpa uh, just a few weeks ago when his daughter had twins. So uh, I think it's a good time in the Zimmer family. He's excited to be back. He's excited for all of his players back. So I, I did want to go expand a little bit on um, the Rick Dennison news. I think um, with him staying in the organization, I think that that was, um, as you mentioned, Chris, it was such a great move to be able to keep that type of experience within the within the ranks, within the building. And um, I, I, what hit me this week was when uh, Dalvin Cook was asked about it because obviously Rick Dennison was the running game coordinator. And so that's going to more like running game coordinating by committee according to Coach Zim. But, um, but Dalvin had mentioned like Dennison has set a blueprint for the running game like so th they have what they need to be successful because of what Dennison has done over the last few seasons and so um you know for Dalvin he said we're just really happy to still have him on I mean he's still on staff so it's not like he won't be here and that he did a, such a great job of of laying that foundation that they're not they're not worried about this move at all the process is a little easier this year simply because we did it last year all the coaching, all the meetings last year was virtual. So it made sense this year to still to still keep it that way. The players are still kind of used to that. It, it reminds me of like an Alabama uh, Nick Saban type of style of type style of coaching. You know, Nick Saban coaches from a balcony. He's not on the field. And I think Rick Dennison is, I guess if you want a, a symbolic metaphor, that's kind of what Rick Dennison is pretty much doing now. But to the point of what you said about Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook also said, you know, Phil Rauscher knows the play, play calls. He, he understands the game. He understands how the linemen are supposed to be blocking. But Dalvin Cook has my quote of the press conferences uh, so far this year. He said, now Phil can be as loud as he wants. And being in Washington with, with Phil Rauscher for two years, I, I, I understand that he loves to scream. And he loves to get after his offensive linemen. So I think he just lights another fire under his guys. It's going to put some energy in that room. 
And Phil Rasha, he's excited about this opportunity. He's a great coach. He coached under Bill Callahan. He coached in Den- in Denver uh, with the with the former coaching staff also. So he knows he knows he understands the game. He knows what Dennison is looking for and what what it takes to be a, a perennial offensive lineman in his league. I'm, I'm expecting one of these linemen outside of Brian O'Neill to make another jump in their career this year uh, under Phil Rosher's tutelage. Well, we have another great segue. Let's go to the Dalvin Cook press conference sound that Jay has cut up. You know, from day one, like today, you know, it's, it's, it's the start of something new for this team. And those young guys, you know, I've been there in, those, in that position. So just giving them confidence that they can – you know, play at this high level. You know, you're not here by mistake. You know, you 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 here for a reason. And just just giving them that edge and just letting them go play freely. And you know, that's the type of team that I am. You know, I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna do some things to help them create confidence. And that's my job as a runner. You know, to give my to give my offensive line as much confidence as I can. So, you know, I'm a, I'm gonna try to do that as much as I can as training camp. We love to hear that from Dalvin Cook, giving his offensive line confidence. I think. You can look no further than when he scores a touchdown, and every single time he scores a touchdown, he hands the ball off to one of his offensive linemen. You can catch a nice long-form series on Vikings.com where Dalvin was asked about all 33 of his touchdowns, uh, and and he attributes them to his offensive line, and he gives his offensive linemen some nice celebrations uh, to go along with that. So that's a really good piece on Vikings.com. I think Lindsay wrote the article, and the video is great. Yeah, Lindsey Young, the entire VEN committee, we all do great work. And just seeing the 33 for 33 um, title, I was like, hold on, Dalvin Cook, he's got 33 touchdowns? Like, how, how timely is this article? So, great job by the team. Yeah, no, that quote is pretty cool, though. I really like to hear Dalvin talk about giving love to the guys up front because, um, you know – it's funny because I think at first glimpse you listen to it and you're like, okay, but like obviously we get confidence from a guy like Dalvin Cook. Like how how is that comparable? But at the end of the day, um, one of my favorite things about covering – I was in Nashville the last three seasons, so obviously – the reigning rushing champion in the last two years with Derrick Henry, watching how much rub, rub love. It in. Rub it in. Well, I'm not trying to rub it. I know, I know. That's not what I'm trying to go for. But 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 seeing that, like these guys are in awe of what Dalvin Cook can do, right? And so for them to be a part of these milestones, it means just as much to Dalvin Cook as it does his line. And so that symbiotic relationship that's there is so key. And for Dalvin to realize that, I think that shows maturity and the right perspective. And I think guys can only feed off of that more because you know you're blocking for a guy that's selfless and appreciative of what they're doing for him. So I'm going to block my butt off for a guy who's going to let me spike the heck out of the ball after he scores a touchdown. I would get so jacked. Just in my 16, 17 months with the team, I've learned that Dalvin Cook is the heartbeat of this team. We go as far as Dalvin goes. When Dalvin's not playing, we, we see a drop in play with this team. When Dalvin is running hard, we, we see this team excelling. I mean, there's been so many plays where the offensive line have opened up holes for Dalvin, but at the same time, there's been plays on the opposite spectrum where it might have been a breakdown in the, in the offensive line and Dalvin just had to make a play. Think of the touchdown against the Houston Texans last year, right? I think it was third and goal, and um, he broke like two tackles and then stiff-armed the guy in the end zone. Like that, that was just a busted play, and he just made a play out of nowhere. That's just Dalvin. We we this entire team feeds off of his energy. You talk about feeding off of Dalvin's energy. There is literally no better example of that than the game against Seattle. 
There is no better example than when he was running down their throats in Seattle. It was one of the most important games of the year on national television. And when he went down, that's when the Vikings went down. And it was one of the toughest losses and probably a loss that cost us the playoffs last year. So uh, when it comes to injuries for Dalvin Cook, we can hopefully avoid them as much as possible. I think he looks as healthy as he's ever been in his career. I've never seen him look so big than when he took the podium uh, in year five. I can't believe it's year five. It's unbelievable to hear him say that. But, uh, Jay, when he took the podium, this uh, you can just see he's like he's a different guy this year. He's ready to go. I think the biggest thing is the maturity across the board for all of these. Part of the reason I pulled a bunch of these nuggets too was you're seeing a level of maturity from the senior leadership on the field and even even in the coaching staff that they're valuing. They're saying like, we were really, really young at last year and we know that there were deficiencies, whether it was just other voices within the the, the rooms themselves for meetings or whether it was on the field and just recognition or whatever. And in the offseason, if you went and looked, besides the draft, a lot of the guys they went and picked up were senior-leading type players, and I think they're really valuing that this year, the mentorship from people that are that are more experienced to the younger people that they had last year. And if, if they can really develop that core and get everybody to get to that next level, given all that experience – I think that's going to be a huge, huge bonus for us this year, and you're, you should see a giant uptick in play on both sides of the ball this year. So I, I'm I'm really excited about that. I think seeing Dalvin doing what he's doing now in his fifth season, he is no longer the younger rookie-type energetic guy. He is now the veteran who everyone's going to lean on. And you know, we've said it before, in many instances on this offense, you go as far as Dalvin Cook pulls you. And I think this is going to be another example of a motivated Dalvin Cook is a dangerous Dalvin Cook. Well, let's hear from one of those guys who loves to spike the ball after a Dalvin Cook touchdown. It's Brian O'Neill, the Vikings' right tackle. You know, Mike Simmons, they're going to be careful coming off that injury. What can you do as a veteran to make sure that whenever he is ready to go, that he's up to speed on everything? I think helping him out now as much as we can, um, you know, in meetings, in walkthroughs, on the field, an individual. Um, having a chance to pull him aside and be like, hey, look, this is what we saw here, and this is why we're taking a different angle on this play, or um, this is why I got in trouble, or this is why uh, I got beat, and just you know, be very active with him in terms of what we see, why we see it, and like how we try to do things now and do it every day. And just um, he's a good kid, smart worker. Um, he's got all the potential in the world. He'll be great, um, no doubt. So just try to keep him involved now. Yeah, I love that quote from Brian O'Neill, and I love another quote from Brian O'Neill that I heard in the press conference today. He was kind of talking about what it's like being a you know one of the best offensive linemen in the country and coming to the NFL and training camp and going against the best defensive ends and defensive linemen in the world. And he said, you know what? You're going to make a mistake every now and then. You're not used to making mistakes like that in practice because in college you're one of the best players in the conference, best players in the country. But it's when you make that mistake, how do you, you know, change and take the coaching and develop so it doesn't happen three, four times uh, like when when you start getting blown by by Daniil Hunter and and everyone in practice is looking at you saying, you know what, you gotta learn, you gotta find a way to fix it and find a way to to be coached and. I really like that quote from Brian O'Neill because everyone's going to get beat by Daniil Hunter, as Gabe said earlier on in the show. It's how you develop and how you go forward. If Christian Darius even if he was practicing, 
if if he wasn't getting burnt by Daniel Hunter or or Sheldon Richardson or a, let's just say a Stephen Weatherly, I would I would be a little concerned because I'm just like, all right, this guy's not getting good reps right now. Like th- this thing is coming a little too easy for him. So to be able to make those mistakes and have people who have made those mistakes before him give him that advice. I look at Brian O'Neill as a guy that can can be a Patrick Peterson on the well, I guess on the offensive side of the ball because he's been there, done that. So take that advice, run with it, learn, and go from there. Yeah, no, I and I think like you know, Darisaw may not be getting the action right now, but the mental reps are just as valuable. I mean, he he was able, if I'm not mistaken, to participate in minicamp and and be there for that. And we saw a lot of Rookies last year have to quickly adapt to the game after not getting a regular offseason. So I don't think he'll be behind the eight ball. But at the same time, you don't want to hurry anybody along. Um, I do think this kind of leaves the door open for a lot of people who might have thought that Darisaw could be a starter day one. Um, maybe it, it'll take a little bit more time with Udo in there. It's, it could be a time for maybe him to, obviously the coaches see something in him right now running with the ones and maybe he gets a shot to start before. But as we've all learned with offensive linemen, it's the more the merrier because of the, um, the breakdown of their bodies throughout the season, the injury, um, the injuries that can happen. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to see him get reps, and um, for Darisaw, just taking advantage of the time off the field as much as you can so when you step on, you're ready to go. And the thing about it, too, is the coaches have said from the beginning, including the head coach, we're going to take our time with this guy. This is not a we need him right now, like we're going to do it the right way. And I think part of it, too, is, yeah, if he's got an injury, they're definitely not going to rush him out there because they want him to get better, healthier. But at the same point, I think they they look at this as a long-term project. They're not looking at this as – we need this absolutely right now. They'd love to have it, but that's also a luxury they can't have right at this moment. But they're going to do this the right way and put him in there when they feel like he's ready to go. Yeah, I totally agree. So, I mean, I think you covered just about every aspect of the Vikings training camp through all of the press conferences. You can go and catch them all on vikings.com. We have them all posted. We have highlights from every practice at training camp. We have a new episode in the first episode of the season of The Voyage that goes inside the Vikings draft room, and you see Rick Spielman make a nice little trade with the New York Jets and still land his guy in Christian Darasaw. So uh, plenty of content on vikings.com. Look out for Gabe's new, uh, new show called Vikings Circle, where he's driving players around the Vikings facility. And Tatum, why don't you tell Vikings fans what you've been working on so far? Well, before I'm working on just something for my social media, more about fans. But I I think what I really want to pub right now is we've got the night practice at TCO on Saturday, which is going to be so cool. I know Gabe and I are absolutely stoked about it because we've heard so much about how it's such a great atmosphere. It's so many fans are out there. It's one of the things that everyone looks forward to during training camp. So we're we're excited out here for Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center to host that on Saturday. But if you don't get the chance to go out there, you know, not everyone can make it. We totally get that, too. You can get the vibes. We'll be live on Fox 9 from 6 to 7, if I'm not mistaken. The start of practice is 7, so it's like a nice pre pregame show um with you know we got Hobie RT there hosting it with us we'll have PA I know Gabe's got Tom Palaceros we've got a lot of guests we've got um anything you want to get your juices flowing to get ready for camp and then obviously the night practice begins at seven and and then also 
I know, Gabe, if you want to talk more about this, we've got a really exciting project coming up on Monday because that's the first day guys put on pads. I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, and that's the best day of the year is Christmas for football fans and for football players because you can actually hit somebody and not have to get fined over or not have to take the video down from social media (laughs) from the NFL finding you for having contact too soon. So Monday, August 2nd, the first padded practice of the year. I'm extremely excited. We'll actually have a live simulcast on Fox 9 of that entire practice on Monday, starting at 2.15, I believe. 2.15 to 4.15 is also on KFAN, Vikings Radio Network, and I think online, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it'll be streamed on Vikings.com also. So if you're not there, you can't miss it. I mean, if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan. If you, if you can't watch computer. it, if you can't watch it at work, put in your headphones, put in your Bose headphones and watch <laughs> it or listen to it on KFAN because it will be something that you would not want to miss. This is this is going to be fun. This is always the, the, the time of the year that gets my juices flowing. Actually hearing pads. <laughs> I was about to say pads clacking, but I don't know if our, our, our uh, audience will understand what that is. So <laughs> just hearing just hearing pads go against each other and just seeing guys. You like clacking? I think of like Under Armour to click clack. It's going to be a lot of fun. We got a lot of content coming you guys' way, so stay tuned. Jay, I'm pretty sure you were clacking pads back in the day. You were an offensive <laughs> There's not a lot of light taps going on between offensive and defensive linemen. There's a whole lot of lot of lot of shoulder smacking and heads cracking. So yeah, yeah. That, I guess that explains the the spit on guys' visors. Also, offensive linemen. So no, I don't see I don't see why they. That's do it. that's just more like uh, uh, window dressing. You gotta at least look as intimidating as possible, <laughs> just because you're you're typically the the big smelly guys on the team. You might as well uh, put some window dressing on your your face mask too. Not to totally divert from this, and uh, Jay, feel free to edit this out if you don't feel like it's appropriate. I give you full permission. But today, Robert Smith was at the Vikings Museum. They had a Legends event. Which, in case you really want to go, like if you're here out at training camp, I highly recommend you stop by the Vikings Museum. As someone who's new to the Minnesota Vikings, I was just blown away with the, the just the quality um the information everything about it is just first class and if you're a true Vikings fan it's definitely something you should check out but anyway Robert Smith was out there doing a Q&A there's going to be several legends out there so check the website for more information but um he was out there calling out John Randall cuz somebody one of the fans asked him um you know what what's your favorite John Randall story and he said well my favorite John Randall story is I first got to camp and what he does is he goes and you know Back then, I don't think they can Google, but he went in and read all the team bios of everyone he would play, everyone on the current team, and basically was just the master of trash talking. He'd go up there and put his hand down and be like, hey, how's Karen and the kids? He'd like try and get in everyone's head. And I was like, this is hilarious. Like, I I actually think we have an event with him coming up this weekend. And you better believe I'm going to ask him. Please, what is the art of trash talking? I need to hear more about this because, you know, coming back to your offensive line clacking days, Jay, I'm sure like you hearing some guy like John Randall, who is like, you know, legendary, one of the best in the league. And he says something like, hey, how's your how's your kids doing? Or, you know, um, I hear you like uh, bowling. I don't know. And they, they're they like, what? <laughs> there is always some good trash talk between offensive defensive linemen. But if a guy walked up there and started asking me my mother and father's name, I'd he'd be sacking the quarterback multiple times a game running past me going, <laughs> how does this guy know my family, especially back in the nineties. And, and, right? and I know like John, he used to say like, he'd get a hold of the bios 
from the 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 player guides from like the season before or whatever, and he would just memorize yep. them, and he'd be just like <laughs> wife, kids, address, parents. Whatever it was, he would get that and use it for any advantage he could. And he was so dang fast that as soon as you'd think for half a second when the ball snapped, he was already past you. It's because he told the tackle he lived at like one, two, three Sesame Street. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you become a, a, a all-time Hall of Fame player is by finding ways to just, you know, <laughs> make people think about their moms out on the field. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of your mom, bring her to training camp. Yeah, bring her to training camp and go to vikings.com slash training camp to get your tickets. As you can tell, we're all having a great time at training camp. It's an absolute blast to, to get on here and, and talk with this crew. So uh, for Tatum Everett, Gabe Henderson, and of course, Jay Nelson, we will see you next week. Skull. See you out here. Let's go. Ooh.